Good morning. This is the scripture reading and the sermon for the Sunday, May 24th, 2020, the seventh Sunday of Easter. My name is Father Caleb Miller. I am the senior pastor of Emmanuel Anglican Church, and you're joining me on our pre-recorded sermon and scripture time. Our first reading for this morning, it comes from the book of Psalms. It is Psalm 68, a selection of verses beginning at verse 1. Psalm 68. God shall arise, his enemies shall be scattered, and those who hate him shall flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so you shall drive them away. As wax melts before fire, so the wicked shall perish before God. But the righteous shall be glad. They shall exalt before God. They shall be jubilant with joy. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord. Exalt before him. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. O God, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth quaked, the heavens poured down rain before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. Rain in abundance, O God, you shed abroad. You restored your inheritance as it languished. Your flock found the dwelling in it. In your goodness, O God, you provided for the needy. To him who rides in the heavens, the ancient heavens, behold, he sends out his voice, his mighty voice. Ascribe power to God, whose majesty is over Israel, and whose power is in the skies. Awesome is God from his sanctuary, the God of Israel. He is the one who gives power and strength to his people. Blessed be God. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our second reading this morning, our sermon text for this day of ascension, or celebration of the ascension, is Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 14. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. Please stand with me for the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ according to St. John, the 17th chapter, beginning at the first verse. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes into heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Pray with me, please. Come now, Holy Spirit, I pray. Come and overrule and overwhelm my mouth and my words, our ears and our hearing. Holy Spirit, I am inadequate to rightly handle the word of truth without your help, and so I pray that you would help me. Give me words to speak and give us ears to hear. Show us Jesus, his glory, his honor, his praise, and create in us hearts obedient to him. Come and be glorified as you glorify Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today is the seventh day, or seventh Sunday after Easter. Uh, it is the day in which the Sunday appointed to mark and celebrate the ascension of Jesus. The ascension of Jesus actually occurred This uh, occurred in history 40 days after uh, Jesus' resurrection. And so it doesn't neatly fall on a Sunday. In fact, this week it is on Thursday, May 21st. But this Sunday, the Sunday after the ascension, the seventh Sunday after Easter, we, we hear about Jesus' ascension in the reading of Acts. And this morning, as we look at Acts chapter 1, uh, verses 6 through 14, I'd want for us to uh, think about one big idea, and then as we talk, we're going to develop two implications that come out of this one big idea. And these two implications actually come from the text itself. And so our big idea for today is the ascension of Jesus is his enthronement as the cosmic king. Jesus ascends as the crucified and risen cosmic Lord. And from that, from his position as the ascended Christ, from that there come two implications. Jesus gives the church the mission and the power to be his kingdom people doing his kingdom work. And Jesus, crucified, risen, and ascended, he will return. Therefore, we must be prepared. Two, one big idea, two implications this morning. 
St. Luke tells us that the disciples had come together with Jesus in verse 6. He told us previously that for 40 days after his resurrection, Jesus showed himself alive, made appearances to his disciples, met with his disciples. We see a couple of these events recorded in every one of the Gospels. And then here in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, St. Luke tells us that these disciples had come together with Jesus. This is the final post-resurrection appearance, so to speak. Over a month after that particular and very peculiar weekend when he was crucified, when he died, when he was buried, when he rose again to life, 40 days after that weekend, Jesus ascends into heaven. And really, Luke is kind of anticlimactic about this uh, spectacular, marvelous coronation event. He says with a single verse in Acts chapter 1, verse 9, And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Jesus, Luke says, was lifted up, but where did he go? Jesus went to his seat at the right hand of God. In his sermon found in Acts chapter 2, St. Peter says that Jesus was exalted at the right hand of God. It means that Jesus has come into his position of cosmic authority. And Peter connects this rising up of Jesus. Peter connects his ascension to a place of privilege and authority. He connects it to Psalm 110, right? So Jesus is taken up into heaven. He takes his place as exalted at the right hand of God in fulfillment of what David said in Psalm 110. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Where was Jesus taken? Jesus was taken to the right hand of the Father. The right hand of God, this significant uh, place of authority. It is the place of privilege. It is the place of honor. It is the place of rule. To be seated at the right hand of God means that Jesus is enthroned. He's seated upon his throne as the cosmic king, the ruler of the universe, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. To say that Jesus is the cosmic king is first to say that his reign and his rule are timeless. They're eternal. To rise upon a cloud into the presence of God is an act of fulfillment of a prophecy prophecy from Daniel chapter 7. There, in Daniel chapter 7, the prophet had a vision of one like a son of man who came before God with the clouds of heaven and there before God with the clouds of heaven received from God dominion, glory, and a kingdom. And Daniel is very careful to say that the Son of Man's dominion and kingdom received from God in heaven, they are everlasting and they will never pass away, never be destroyed. And so in the ascension of Christ, he's fulfilling this prophecy, having been crucified and risen, he's fulfilling this prophecy as the one like the Son of Man, coming to the right hand of the Ancient of Days, receiving an eternal kingdom, an everlasting kingdom, a kingdom made up of all peoples, nations, and languages. As people from all nations and languages come into the kingdom through his crucifixion and resurrection, and that's an important point for our first implication. 
Jesus ascended to his place at the right hand of God, was enthroned as the cosmic king, the ruler of the universe. He's seated on high, far above every rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Where does Jesus go? He goes to the right hand of the Father to receive from the Father the, the eternal kingdom. He does this because he has accomplished the work of redemption. Jesus is worthy of this place of honor. He alone is worthy of this privilege because he alone has worked out all that is necessary for salvation through his crucifixion and resurrection. In, Resurre- in, in Revelation chapter 5, I think we get another picture, another perspective on the ascension, on Jesus' ascension into heaven. In Revelation chapter 5, St. John finds himself in this heavenly throne room witnessing heavenly worship. And he has this picture of the one upon the throne, God the Father, having in his hand a scroll that's sealed up, a scroll with his plans for time and space and eternity. But there was a problem because no one was worthy to open the scroll. No one was worthy to unseal the events. No one was worthy to thus rule over them. No one worthy could be found in heaven or on earth or under the earth. No one, that is, until the line of the tribe of Judah stood before the throne. Where did he come from? I believe he ascended. I think this is a vision of the ascension. The root of David who conquered showed up. I think we can say he ascended. And suddenly all is well because he is able to open the the scroll. He is worthy. The the root of David, the line of the tribe of Judah who ascended is, is able and worthy to open the scroll. Can we say able and worthy to rule over time and space and history? This is the, the sort of peculiar thing. When, when John saw the Lion of Judah, when John saw the root of David, he didn't see a, 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 a vision of one clothed in power and glory. He saw rather a lamb standing as though it had been slain and yet was alive. This conquering root of David is the lamb slain yet alive, and only he was worthy to open the scroll. Only he was found worthy to reign, to receive worship. The reason why Jesus ascends to the right hand of God as the cosmic king is because he has made the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. Because he ascends after the work of redemption, he's completed all that was and is and ever will be necessary for sinful men and women to be reconciled to God. He ascends because he was crucified and raised. The ascension of Jesus is his enthronement as the cosmic king. He ascends into heaven upon a cloud, and the disciples remained, jaws on their chests, staring as he rises. Now, aside from the reality that only Jesus has ascended, and so only Jesus is worthy of praise, honor, faith, and worship, there is the reality that Jesus, the cosmic king, gives his people a purpose and gives his kingdom people Power, And that's the first implication. The first implication of Jesus taking his throne revolves around this idea that his church has received a mission and power for that mission. In Acts chapter 1, verse 6, the disciples were asking Jesus about the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. But Jesus has a very different kingdom in mind. He has a very specific people who will do 
the work for or of his kingdom. I said just a few minutes ago that Jesus, the cosmic king, has an everlasting kingdom that is made up of all peoples, nations, and languages as people from all nations and languages come into his kingdom. But how is that kingdom work to be accomplished? How are men and women from all languages, all tribes, all peoples to come to believe in Jesus? Through the missionary work, the missional work, the purpose of the church. Jesus says to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. In this single verse, we read both of Jesus' purpose for his people and the power he gives to his people to enable them to accomplish his purposes. The purpose is to be and give witness to Jesus wherever his people may be found. The kingdom people are called to continue the kingdom work of the king. When Jesus was present amongst them, he was his own witness. But now that Jesus has ascended, they are to be his witnesses. We are to be his witnesses. At the end of St. Matthew's Gospel, Jesus tells his disciples, his followers, to make disciples, to reproduce, to be used by God in the expansion of his kingdom by bringing those who do not yet believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior to come to believe in Jesus as Lord and and Savior. The, the people of God in Jesus Christ are thus called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And those who have not yet will, uh, that those who have not yet will believe in Jesus and be forgiven their sins. Notice this. We have to notice this. Who is it that gives this marching order? It's not a minion running around. It's not a, a second lieutenant it's not even a general. The one who gives this marching order is the king, the king himself, the king who was crucified, raised from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he sits until all of his enemies will be made his footstool. This is the one who says, you will be my witnesses. And so to be a part of God's kingdom with Jesus as the cosmic king is to be enlisted in mission, in witness, in testimony. There's a purpose for the people of God. And it is to be given, notice this as well, the purpose comes with power. It is to be given power to achieve it. Jesus doesn't just give his church a purpose and then leave it up to the church to figure it out. The kingdom people doing the work of the king receive kingdom power, the Holy Spirit. Jesus gives the power necessary for the accomplishment of the missional purpose as he pours out the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, yes, works in us to transform us. The Holy Spirit connects us, brings us closer into union with Christ. The Holy Spirit absolutely empowers us with gifts and with fruit. But notice, in this particular context, as Christ ascends into heaven, the Holy Spirit is connected, not for our purpose, not for my self-centeredness, but for the expression, the witness, the testimony to the gospel. Jesus gives the power necessary for the accomplishment of the missional purpose. He pours out the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is for ministry. On the night before he died, Jesus told his disciples that he would go away, but that after he was gone, he would send the counselor, the Holy Spirit. He goes away. He crucified, risen, and now ascended in Acts chapter 1. What is the next major event in the book of Acts? And in the life of the church, Pentecost. 
and the coming of the Holy Spirit. St. Peter explains the day of Pentecost by stating, This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God. That's the ascension, folks. Having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Exalted to the right hand of God, Jesus received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, and in turn, he poured it out upon his followers, as he had promised to do, empowerment for the purpose. So as the church seeks to fulfill his kingly given purpose, it does so in the power of the Holy Spirit, the kingly given gift. And folks, the church needs the Holy Spirit to accomplish that which the king has given it to do, quite frankly. If we don't have the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, we won't get a whole lot of kingdom work done. I don't care how eloquent we are or are not. I don't care how uh, fancy and high-tech our worship services are or are not. I don't care how great our buildings may or may not be. Without the Holy Spirit, the kingdom work of the kingdom people will fail. We need what Jesus has to give because Jesus has given his people a purpose that cannot be accomplished apart from the power he gives. Jesus ascends. He's enthroned as the cosmic king who gives purpose and power to the people of his kingdom, the church. Right? So Jesus ascends, the first implication, mission. Mission and power. Purpose and power. Second implication, Jesus ascends. He will return. Jesus ascended into heaven upon a cloud, and the disciples remained, jaws on their chest, staring as he rose away. And then we read this in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 10. While they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who is taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Jesus' ascension guarantees his return, our second implication that comes from this passage in Acts chapter 1. Jesus, the cosmic king, will come to judge the living and the dead, as we say in the Nicene Creed. He will come to raise the dead. He will come to destroy evil. He will come to cast it into eternal judgment. He will come to rule and reign in his new heaven and new earth. He will come to be physically present among his people and his kingdom. And he shall reign forever and ever. Remember, his, his throne, his eternal dominion is everlasting. And the fact of his ascension guarantees the fact of his return. While Jesus return, while Jesus return is promised by Jesus himself and by angels, we need to see that no one knows when Jesus will return, not even Jesus himself. We live now in the in-between, the in-between his going and his ascension and his coming and his return. And so Jesus' church, given purpose and power, must act with urgency. The mission of the church is not forever, but it is for now, the now which exists between Jesus' ascension and his return. And so we must act with urgency in our witness. There's real urgency for those to hear the gospel, real urgency to respond with faith, to confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead to be saved and brought into the kingdom of the cosmic king given purpose and power. The fact of the ascension guarantees the fact of Jesus' return, and so we must be prepared. 
We must act with urgency and witness. We must be prepared. In the Gospels, whenever Jesus talked about his return, his primary focus was not on the events and not the timing. No, his primary focus was on the necessity of the people of God being prepared for the return of the king. But what does preparation look like? It comes back to Jesus. We're prepared for his coming by first believing in him. We're prepared for his coming by continuing to believe in him and living in obedience to him within the fellowship of his kingdom people, the church. We are prepared for his coming by seeking to fulfill the purposes he has given and the power he has given. Basically, we prepare for his coming by living as his people, his kingdom people, here in the in-between, in obedience to the king. The ascension. This is the rising of the cosmic king to his place of rule and reign. All authority is his. To him belong the kingdom and the power and the glory. His people, the kingdom people, by the king, are given a kingdom mission, a kingdom purpose, with kingdom power to give witness and testimony. And the promise of his return, the king will come. We are called to be prepared by living in obedience to the king. We celebrate the ascension because it is the recognition of the greatness and the glory of the cosmic King Jesus. We see out of that coming the mission and the power given to his people and the coming and his coming to bring to consummation his kingdom. And I've said this to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.